0: Alrighty, if you have your Bible, go and turn to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. So, while you guys are finding Luke 17, let me uh, just say this. Um, thank you guys for, you know, most of you guys know that I uh, had to jet out of town last week to go uh, officiate my grandmother's funeral. I just want to thank everybody for, um, you know, just all the, all the kind texts, all the prayers, all that it means a whole lot. Uh, you know, things went... Things went very well. You know, it's always a challenge when you uh, go back home and you're interacting with family, right? <laughs> so, I'll tell you the neat, the neat part about it, and I don't know if I'll share that today, but it was pretty cool to really just see the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, uh, of, to watch that really in action, even with my whole family. So, it's really cool when, when uh, the love of God moves and uh, Jesus touches people, even people that aren't believers. And, uh, you know, I, I have this... I guess a simple thing. I just think Jesus still walks through walls. And uh and even with uh the hardest of hearts he can still move and he can still touch them and he can still change things. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's pray and, and we will get going today. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we are a group of people, God, who are passionate about your word. Father, we have a, a hunger and a desire not just to not just to know facts, but to know the God of the Word. Lord, we want to know you. And so, Lord, today we just thank you for opening up our hearts very wide today. And, Lord, we pray, God, that you would pour out more of your presence, more of your uh, just truth and revelation to our hearts. Father, we want to know you, God. Father, today we want to know your heart, Uh, God, not only for us, but God, also other people. And so, Lord, we just invite you uh, to come and move and have your way. Father, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, which is the teacher, the greatest teacher of all. And so, Lord, today, God, we uh, not only invite the Holy Spirit, but we submit to the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, wherever you want to go and whatever you want to do today, whatever you want to say, Today, God, we are listening and we will obey. So, Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this morning, I want to I want to wrap up our current series. We've been talking about a uh, series you can sit up here uh, just sit, simply. It's called Letting Go. And uh, my hope for this series has been pretty straightforward. Here, here's what I've been believing, uh, not only for not only for you, but also for myself through this process. And, and it's really this is that, uh, first of all, that all of us would would open our hearts up to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know God still speaks? Amen. And secondly, that we would allow uh, the Holy Spirit to come and, and identify any offense that might be, uh, you know, in our hearts. We might be holding on, on to any grudge, maybe that's taken up residence in us. And lastly, and this is what we're going to talk about today, because it, it does us no good if he just reveals it and leaves it there. So my, so what I'm believing for today is just simply that the Holy Spirit will give you and I the courage Uh, to forgive those who have offended us, that he would give us the courage to release those people that have wounded us. So, like I said, uh, I want to start this morning uh, with Luke chapter 17. This verse has has become basically the foundational verse of this series. And so I just want to reiterate a few things. There's some new people here today, so I am going to repeat a few things that you've heard over the past few weeks, uh, just kind of get us some traction so they're not lost and uh, and we'll get running today. So Luke 17, we're going to read verse 1. If it's not underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline it. It says, then he, talking about Jesus, it says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. The reason I keep telling you this again and again and again is hopefully that it will get in us and when the uh, offenses come, we won't be caught off guard. Yes. And because uh, a lot of times we get shocked and surprised and Jesus is sitting here telling us uh, that we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, we've uh, spent quite a bit of time talking about what uh, this word impossible and this word offense means in the scriptures. So let me just maybe throw a few more things at you. and We'll get rolling. But. Jesus is telling us that it's impossible for us to walk through this life without us being tripped up by some, kind of, by some kind of relational issue. How many of you guys know it's really easy to have a relational issue with somebody in this life? Wave your hand if you know that's true. That's really true. Listen, he's saying it's, it's literally impossible to walk through this life without getting trapped in a negative thought pattern. Has anybody ever been there? That just simply when you look at your spouse, when you look at maybe one of your children, or, or you look at a friend or a coworker, maybe another brother and sister in Christ, it's so easy to get caught in a pattern where you're constantly thinking negative about that individual because of something they've done to you. And lastly, and I think this is probably the most clear one, But it's impossible to walk through this life without experiencing a behavior in others that is so opposite of what we expect from them that it literally causes us to feel hurt, wounded, disappointment. It makes us feel resentful and even angry. Has anybody ever been there? Yes. So when all of that happens, Jesus basically calls that that an offense. And uh, all of us have been there. If you're breathing, you've experienced it. So, uh, you know, just as I said a a few weeks ago, because of what Jesus is saying here, the question is not out of this verse if we will be offended or not or if we'll have the opportunity. The question that we have, because Jesus is guaranteeing us that that will happen. So the question we really want to focus on today is this, is what will we do once we are offended? Because uh, maybe even say this, it's kind of two-sided here. Uh, what do we need to do if offense, if we're still holding on to that thing? And then also because there are offenses coming down the road, right? They're coming. Uh, what are we going to do when those things come our way? Because they're going to come, all right? So with, with that kind of in mind, uh, let me just say this. For every single one of us in this room learning how, can somebody say how? Learning how to work through and ultimately get free from an offense is essential if you and I are going to fulfill God's will for our life. Do you understand that? We've we got to learn how to handle it if we're going to live like God wants us to live. And not only just to learn how to get free, but to stay free from an offense. So listen, here's why it's important. Uh, it's essential if we're going to keep our hearts pure. Right. And, and I personally uh, cannot talk about the purity of God without thinking about uh, Matthew, chapter five, where Jesus says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. If there's no other motivation to keep your heart free from offense, that should be a great motivation for you today, because you want to see God. Amen. So listen, not only not that, but if we want to maintain our love walk, if we want to have healthy relationships, if we want to walk in the spirit of honor, if we want to enjoy the peace of God in our lives, if we want to reach our full potential and function properly in our calling, if we want to be sensitive to God's voice and God's presence, and it is essential that we learn how to get free. Amen. So listen, it really boils down to this. It's learning how to do it God's way, because we all have an option uh, to either do it our way or to do it God's way. And most of us in this room have probably done it God's way more times. Let me say it right. We've done it our way more times than we've done it God's way. Yes? Amen. Listen, we live up north. People like to uh, point to you with their middle finger a lot up here. That, that is uh, that's doing it your way. Anyway, right, so listen, the Apostle Paul uh, shows us basically how to do it God's way. I want to show you this verse. It says in this in Colossians chapter 3. If you're taking notes, just jot this down. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 and I am reading out of the New Living Translation because it makes it pretty clear it says this and it should be up on the screen it says since God chose you turn to your neighbor and say he's talking to you it says since God chose you to be the holy people he loves says you must understand that word you must it's not an option you got to do this you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Somebody say, help me, Jesus, right? <laughs> Verse 13, watch this. This will make you grab a hold of the altar. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. We don't do that too well, do we? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I love the next word, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Notice the word must again. You must. It's telling us God's way. And then it says, verse 14, it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Because why? Because that's the motivation of everything we just read, which binds us together, all together, in perfect harmony. Now, I like the way, uh, the, I'm going to read to you verse 13. I have another translation because I like the way the New King James puts this. It says this in verse 13 of the New King James. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, can somebody say complaint? If anyone has a complaint against another, that means if anyone's got a quarrel, if anyone's got something that you can literally look at someone and blame them for, if, there's, if you can look at that person, if you can somehow point your finger at them, it, that's called an offense, right? Right. And it's saying this, that if anyone's got to complain, if they got all that stuff, it says, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Now, how many of you guys know, just by looking at that scripture, uh, we really do, let me say it this way, it's, it's really natural to do it the opposite way, isn't it? Yes, it's very natural to do the opposite way. So, but here's God telling us through the Apostle Paul that when we get offended, instead of reacting in our way, which is typically characterized by anger, resentment, bitterness, revenge, and uh, the desire to get even. And typically, if you're mouthy, then it comes with a whole lot of words that like to cut. So, but here he is, he's saying this, that in that moment, after somebody has wounded you, after somebody hasn't uh, reached your level of expectation that you had for them, at that moment when they've let you down, here's Paul saying, look, at that spot, you need to remember. That'll humble you really quick, won't it? It's like somebody popping the balloon, letting the air out. It says you need to remember that he has forgiven you. Watch this. And because he has forgiven us, right, then we need to uh, basically forgive that person in the same way that the Father has forgiven us. Isn't that such a, a crazy challenge? Are you all with me today? you all getting really quiet on me, all right? Listen, so what it is when we talk about God's way, God's way of forgiveness is basically this. It's extending rather than withholding the same kind of love and grace and mercy that we have received personally. So most of us in here today, we've encountered the love of God we have encountered the grace of god we 've encountered the mercy of God, and but somehow along the way we 've got to learn how to get over the hump and give that to other people and not just sit back and just have it all for ourselves right amen all right so let 's look at a few verses that show us the kind of forgiveness we 've received i 'm kind of being a little bit more i 'm going to teach you a little bit more today than normal, but I want to show you. Uh, just a handful of verses here once again to show you what kind of forgiveness we've received because if we're going to do it God's way We better grab a hold of what God's way is Look at isaiah thirty-eight 17. I'm gonna go fast. They're gonna be up here on the screen It says this it says you have talking about God. You have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. Is that true? You should have said yes a whole lot louder. That is true Okay. it says, for you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast or you have hurled or you have thrown all my sins behind your back. Now, the picture is this is I don't know what you think about God, but I know my God never goes backwards. He's always moving forward. And so when God takes our sin and he throws it behind our back, that means he's never going to look at it again. Amen. See, the Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, we all know it. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed or he has distanced our transgressions from us. It's this picture that God grabbed us. It's like this. That he grabbed Kyle and said, Kyle, now that you're born again, I'm sending you that way. And guess what? I'm sending all your sin that way, never to meet again. That's good news. Amen? Amen. So listen, it says this in Micah, chapter 7, verse 19. Micah 719 says, once again, you will have compassion on us. So thankful. In fact, let me maybe throw a little side note here. I love what Lamentations chapter three says. It says that God's compassions never fail and that his mercies are new every morning. And I love the way actually the pastor that's coming in a few weeks. He said, Quentin, you know, the way I see that verse, he told me this, man, I don't know, probably 18 years ago. He said, basically, how I view mercy is this. He said, I've seen myself standing up underneath the waterfall like this, and I realize that basically mercy is like the waterfall, meaning that the same drop never hits you twice. Pretty awesome, yeah? So here it is. He's saying, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet, you will, meaning that he will destroy them and throw them into the depths of the ocean. I, you know, I'm not saying this is accurate, okay, but I'm not saying it's wrong. But for some reason, when I keep reading that verse, I, I keep thinking about how uh, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, and basically the, 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 that which represented Egypt, we all know Egypt represents our sin and bondage, yes, in biblical terms. Did you know that? So, so basically that we know that they went through, right, the Red Sea, and what happened to the Egyptian army? Wow. Well, Basically, the water they was holding up it destroyed them. That's the way I picture what He did with our sin. Are you following me? That He literally destroyed it or removed it from us. Amen. And and you know to kind of kind of even go where you know maybe help us out a little theologically a little better. The Bible actually represents that as being a baptism, right? The water baptism. So in essence, that's what happened with us. Okay. So it says this in Isaiah 44:22. I like this verse. It says, "I have swept." Or I have wiped away your sins like a cloud. Now, to kind of give you the word picture, I have, and I'm not saying this is what it means in the in the Hebrew, but the way I see this is almost like our sins, uh, basically being the clouds in the sky, and almost I imagine God blowing and watching all of them disappear. That's the way I see that. He has swept or he has wiped away our sins like a cloud. He says, "I have scattered your offenses." Or your sin like the morning mist. And he says, "O, oh, return to me. And this is the last part I really want you to see in this verse. For I have paid, for I have paid the price to set you free. For I have paid the price to set you free. How did he pay that, that price? Isaiah 55 or 53.5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought up us peace was upon him. Do you get that? The punishment that brought us peace was was upon him. It's this understanding today that somebody's got to pay for what we did wrong. Yes? And thank God he stepped up to the plate. Amen. So it's kind of this I want you to notice maybe a thought here really quick, because I think this is really important. We need to understand today that forgiveness did not replace the wrath of God. It endured it. Please write that down if you're taking notes. That forgiveness didn't replace the wrath of God. It endured it. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen? He endured the wrath of God. He paid the price to set us free. Are you thankful for that? All right, so let's kind of let's kind of hit our blinker and take a right turn here really quick. Okay, I'm going to give you a few thoughts. I'm going to go deeper in this. This is probably my favorite part about all this. How many of you guys know today that God knows everything? He knows it all, right? Yes, he knows it all. As Michaela would tell you, he knows what you're thinking before you think it. All right. She likes to say that anyway. So God knows everything. Now, listen, the biblical truth about God uh, being all knowing is part of what we call in the theological world is part of his essential attributes, his essential attributes. In other words, it is what makes God God. Right. It's what separates him from us. There are certain parts that we go. We were created in his image and certain parts we have. But this has come to the parts where we don't have. OK, so in other words, listen, your wife may think she knows it all, but she doesn't. All right, Anyway, so I tell my wife, look, I already have one. Holy Ghost, I don't need another one. All right. So I'm being brave today because she's downstairs with the children. That's right. So you tell her I sit. No, like- Hey. We're good. She knows I'm playing. All right. Anyways. Yeah. It's awesome. I have a story I really want to tell you right now, but I got to stay focused. Here we go. All right. So listen. So it's part of what makes God God. So just as much as he is all powerful and he is ever present and unchanging and self-sufficient, he is all knowing. We agree with that. Amen. All right, so watch this. One of the places, and this is probably the most simple place we can find in the entire Bible that shows this truth, but it's First John chapter 3, verse 20. It simply says this, and he knows everything. Can't get more clear than that, can you? I don't even need a serious education or something that. And he knows everything. All right, so now with that in mind, I want to show you two verses. I want you to consider this, all right? And, uh, and I'm going to bounce around here a little bit. Maybe when we get to the end, we'll see if we can land it. On this thought. So, anyways, Hebrews ten seventeen says this: says Then he adds, "Their sins and their lawless deeds. Get that? Our sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more." What a great verse, yeah? I will remember no more. What this means is this: is that he will not recall. Or allow our sins to return to his mind. That's what that means. That he will not recall and he will not allow our sins to return to his mind. So get the picture here, okay? This is the way I see it. How many of you guys know the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren goes and stands before God and tries to accuse us? Okay, so here's the picture I have. I have the picture of of the devil basically standing in front of God, and he's trying his best to point out our trash, our dirt, our failures, our mistakes, our sin, that whole list of everything that we've ever done wrong. And the father kind of looks over at the son, then he looks at the Holy Spirit, and both of them kind of shrug their shoulders, and then the father turns and looks back at the devil and says, Sorry, we don't remember that. Are you getting that? That's that. Yes, that's what it means there when we're looking at that. He doesn't remember it anymore. See, it's not because God uh, doesn't have the ability to remember our sins. Okay, that's not the case. And it's not that God somehow bumped his head and got amnesia in the moment. It's not what it's talking about. Rather, it's this fact that because Jesus has redeemed us, because he has paid our debt of sin, right? Because there was a debt, right? That's why He shed His blood. Because He paid our debt of sin. Our sinful past no longer exists. That's why He can remember it no more. Because it ceases to exist. Now watch this. Let me maybe even put it to you this way. This means because of what Jesus has done uh, forever, get that word, forever He has removed our sins from the record of heaven. Amen, right? Are you all with me today? Listen, by redemption, you and I, we know this, by redemption, we've been grafted into the body of Christ, right? So when the Father looks our way, He doesn't see us, He sees Jesus, because we are, get this please, that we are hidden in Christ. Do you understand that? So when he looks at us, because we are now part of the body, right? We're not Jews. Most of us in here, we're Gentiles. So we've been grafted into that body. And so when the Father looks at us because we're in the body of Christ, because we're in him, hidden in him, he sees Jesus, not us. So all of our sin that we've ever committed, it's already covered by the righteous blood of Jesus. It's a done deal. Amen? See, that's why there's that understanding that in and of myself, my righteous works are filthy rags. Right? That's why we're saved by grace grace and not by works and by our own effort all right so let me show you another verse i said i want to show you two verses with with the fact in mind that god knows everything here's the second one we can say this with confidence i kind of bumped on this last week but we'll return to it in first corinthians 13:5, it says this it says that love keeps no record of wrongs now we know according to first john it tells us three times that god is what that god is love because somebody say love The God is love. Therefore, we can say God keeps no record of wrongs. It also means that he doesn't keep an account of our sins. So you see, when when the devil comes or just anybody, whatever, when they when they try to bring our name up, once again, the father doesn't go over to his file cabinet, look for our folder and pull it out and say, yep, that's exactly what Ben did all those years. He doesn't go. Yep, that's what Tim did. Are you following me? What he does is, is understand there is no file cabinet. Amen. We're in the land's book of life, understand that when the moment we got born again, he went over whatever file cabinet, took that file, and put it in the shredder, and it's gone. Amen. My board today. No. Good, because I worked really hard on this. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So watch this. Here's here's the part that really blows my mind. All right. Is that a God who knows everything chooses to forget? That's a crazy, crazy thought. That a God who knows everything chooses to forget. That He chooses, once again, not to recall our sins or allow them to return to our mind. And He calls this forgetting forgiveness. That's what it is. That's what he gave us. That, when we say, How did God forgive us? What is God's way? That is God's way, and much more. That's a, honestly, that's just a snapshot of the entire Bible because the whole thing's about a story of redemption. Amen? So watch this. Here's what's even maybe crazier than that is when we realize that God didn't do it just one time, he actually continually chooses to extend this type of forgiveness towards us. Look at 1 John 1 9. Most of us know it. First John one nine it says, if we confess our sins, does it say that there's a limit there? Talk to me. Does it say there's a limit? No. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, he is continually extending to us everything that we just talked about. Thank God. Because we blow it a lot, don't we? All right, so let me wrap this up with two thoughts, this portion, and we're going to change gears, all right? Um, When I personally step back and I think about what Jesus has done for me so I can be in right standing with God, um, I realized that that moment required more of Jesus than him just kind of passively or flippantly looking my way and saying, Quentin, I forgive you of your sins. It required more of him. And uh, the, the thing is, is I realized in that moment, guess what, that it wasn't easy and when Jesus endured the cross, it didn't feel good, right? It cost him everything. There was a price to pay. And, and here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. There was death to his flesh. There was death. He was a real, in a real body, right? And there was death to the flesh. So that means this. If we believe all this is true, and it is, uh, then we shouldn't be surprised when you and I decide to not uh, approach forgiveness in our way, Right? Which is fivefold ministry, right? But to do it but to do it God's way, then guess what? We shouldn't be shocked when we find out that it isn't easy. Is all right to say that to y'all today? That it's gonna kill our flesh. That guess what? That it's gonna require a great amount of obedience and faith. Um, but here's what I'm confident about today. I'm confident that if we can somehow grab a hold of God's heart and surrender to His way, then guess what? As we, as we step out, that God will meet us as we go. And He will what? He'll give us grace and mercy, and He'll empower us to see the course and see it to the finish. Are you all with me on that? It's called supernatural, right? Because it is not, it is not uh, easy to do, and you can't really do it on your own. All right, now let me give you another thought here. Because of what Jesus did for us, we really don't have the right to hold on to a grudge or an offense, do we? Come on, talk to me. Do we? Remember a few weeks ago, I can't remember if it was last week, everything's kind of muddled together. Um, but remember the guy that basically owed $12 million versus the other guy that owed fifteen. Keep that in perspective when we're sitting here, that, that of what he's forgiven us for, the $12 million, just, In other words, once again, that number wasn't just meaning some number, but it, it represents uh, basically a debt that, is, that we don't have the ability to pay. And so here it is that he somehow let us off the hook, that he forgave us. So because he forgave us, we really don't have the right to hold on to that. Okay, I am going somewhere with this. Uh, so we don't, that means that we don't have the right to punish people for their sins. Is that Correct. All right, so watch this. Let me kind of go so far to say this. I'm going to turn this here. That we don't even have the right to punish ourselves for our past. Are you all with me today? We don't have the right to punish ourselves for our past mistakes. Listen, no matter how big and how detrimental they were, it doesn't even matter how many people they affected, we don't have the right to continue to remind ourselves of what the Heavenly Father has already chosen to forget. Are you all with me today? The reason I'm saying this is, and, you know, I don't know if it's one, two, or whatever, but it's so easy as Christians, uh, you know, once again, to look in the rearview mirror and let some kind of past mistake define us. It's real easy, isn't it? And, and to all, you know, for some reason, uh, we, we, can't, we can't get over the shame and we can't get over the guilt of that moment. In fact, I, in fact I'm going to do something today. I'm going to help wake some people up. I'm going to read you something. Um, It's kind of sideways of what I want to what I'm trying to talk about here, but hopefully you we'll get this point. I uh, I don't know. I, I'm a guy. I got a lot of books. And one day I just grabbed this thing and flipped it open. It came to this page and I was like, holy smokes, this is good. So I'm going to share it with you. OK, but it says this it says forgiveness also restores the standard in our lives. Says, I remember one time when our kids were all teenagers, I became angry with Kathy in front of them, that's his wife, and then treated her disrespectfully. Says, the next day I gathered the kids together in the front room and asked Kathy and each of the kids to forgive me. They all did, and we went on with our way. Says, about a week later, one of our boys came in the kitchen and started being sarcastic with Kathy. He says, I walked in, basically, I told him they didn't have permission to talk to my wife in that way. I remember getting that speech as a kid. All right, so. Uh, He said this This is what his kid said he said you were rude to mom the other day yourself Make you want to smash somebody doesn't it anyways Shut up anyway, so it says he said I said yes, but you forgave me and forgiveness restores the standard Says when you forgave me you gave away your right to act the same way because your forgiveness restored me back to the place of honor So let me kind of maybe throw a note here to you Okay When we forgive someone that's offended us, we are giving away our right to act in the same way that they acted toward us. Why? Because we're restoring them back to a position of honor. Amen? And then it says, I repented, and repentance means to be restored to the pinnacle, the high place. Watch this. This is really good. This is more where it gets personal about forgiving ourselves. Um, It says he told his mother that he was sorry and she forgave him. If we don't understand this principle, please get this. If we don't understand this principle, then the lowest point, the worst mistake or the stupidest thing we have ever done in life becomes our high watermark. In other words, you don't ever live past it. And then it says, for instance, if we were immoral as teenagers and later in life we have teenagers ourselves, we won't have confidence to correct them for their poor sexual choices because we failed ourselves. It says, failures we have repented of are no longer the standard that we must bow to. You want it again? I'll give it to you again. It was good. Wake, I told you I going not try to wake you up. All right, here we go. So failures we have repented of are no longer the standard that we must bow to. Amen. It says, when we ask God and those who have hurt us, uh, or, uh, sorry, when we ask God and those we have hurt to forgive us, we were set back up to the high place God assigned us to. Otherwise, the worst day of our life becomes the highest place that we have the right to lead others to. I'm going to read that again. You don't have to ask me. It says, otherwise, otherwise, the worst day of our life becomes the highest place that we have the right to lead others to. It says, the truth is that forgiveness restores the standard of holiness in us and through us. Really good. Amen. All right. Here we go. Now let's get a little bit more personal. All right. So, basically, at the core of this message and what I'm talking to you about today, it's really this fundamental truth that, that we've got to understand that forgiveness is birthed in the father heart of God. You get that? That forgiveness is birthed in the father heart of God. Therefore, forgiveness is the kingdom standard that you and I, as God's sons and daughters, are expected to live by. You understand that? Because it's His heart, we're expected to live out of that heart. Is that true? Amen. Listen, there's a verse that really grabs my attention a lot of times. It's simply this. It's in Micah. It says that God delights, delights in mercy. That God delights. He finds pleasure in in mercy, And the reason God delights in mercy is because he delights in us and he delights in having relationship with us. Therefore, he is willing to uh, overlook, if you will, our sins to have relationship with us. And there's the same heart. If we're going to operate from the father's heart, we've got to have that towards others as well. Right. And there's something about it really is this at the heart of this is we've got to understand that people are important to God. Therefore, they should be important to us. No matter what they've done, we've got to keep that in mind. Amen. All right, so if we're called to forgive or expected to live, let's talk about what forgiveness is and what it is not. All right, let's talk about what forgiveness is and what it is not. Uh, unfortunately, I'll start off with this, because many Christians don't fully understand what biblical forgiveness is. Uh, they don't really ever truly forgive. In fact, uh, one of the major roadblocks in this process is this, is that people think that if I forgive someone that's hurt me, wounded me, however you want to word it, if they've offended me, if I forgive them, then somehow that means that I'm approving of what they've done. And how many of you guys know that's a lie? And a lot of people believe that lie, and that's a lie from the enemy that keeps them bound and keeps them bitter and angry and keeps them from walking in God's best for their lives. So anyways, you can see it up on the board, but basically, uh, forgiveness is not this. Forgiveness is not approving of what someone did to you. Forgiveness isn't denying what they did. It's not turning a blind eye. Forgiveness is not pretending like they didn't hurt you. And let me maybe stop there for a second. Everybody look here for a moment, okay? Okay. Uh, I am amazed by how many people have lived through hail and they act like it hasn't affected them. Right? And what happens is, is they, is they, you know, uh, there's an individual in my family that 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 has, they, man, they've walked that road, okay? And they have such a hard outer shell, but anytime there's a moment, obviously they lose their mind, but it comes out in anger. And the reason is, is because they're so broken on the inside. Are you following me? Now, they would say they didn't hurt me. I'm tough. I'm strong. But the fact is, they're, they're, they're a wounded little girl inside. Are you all hearing me? Yes? So, you know, we don't need to, let me say it this way. We need to do ourselves a favor and not act like when people have hurt us that it, that it really didn't. Because it did. Right? The whole, that whole thing we said in the schoolyard, sticks and stones may ba- break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Y'all remember that? That's a lie, isn't it? Sticks and stones hurt and so do words, all right? So, listen, forgiveness is not excusing or justifying their injustices, okay? If we, listen, all those things that we just read, if we did that, then all of that would be a lie. That's part of the problem with the church. We say we believe in truth, but when people ask us how we're, we're really doing, we really lie to them a lot. Yes, no, I'm good, I'm okay. No, you're not, quit lying, Right, and here's why I say that. Not to be mean, but the fact that lying never brings healing. Okay, you can't be made whole. There's no freedom found in lying, and until you get honest about what's really going on in your heart, then guess what? Nothing's ever going to change. Amen. So, l- listen. Let me maybe let me maybe say this uh, for a second. Almost said those words, Noah. <laughs> Real fast. Almost said it. So, anyways. <laughs> just did. Anyway, so listen, let me maybe get ahead of myself in a minute, but it's all right. A few years ago, I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe five now, um, I got, I got uh, called into someone's office, and, and they spent, I don't know, well, at 45 minutes ripping me a new one. I mean, they just raised their voice at me, hollered at me, accused me of a whole bunch of things, and I sit there, and to be honest with you, I was so uh, shell-shocked, uh, you know, as a grown man, I just cried. It shocked me that bad. And, and you talk about expectations of someone. They got blown out the water and I just sit there and I remember the only thing I said in that 45 minutes of being accused of me doing a whole bunch of things that I did not do. Uh, they didn't have their facts right. I don't know if somebody lied. I don't, you know, I don't know. The, I don't know the whole deal. I don't know how really how they came to their conclusions, but they did. And uh, and the only the only thing I ever that ever came out of my mouth was this is, do you trust me? Because I needed to know in that moment of this person blasting me if they really trusted me. And then they kind of gave some kind of uh, excuse that really didn't hold water for me. And in other words, their way of trying to say that they um, trusted me. So I went out of the office and I kind of got my emotions somewhat together later because truth is, is I was really ticked off. And uh, I was angry, really, really angry. And I ended up sending the individual an email to kind of let them know some truth about some things that they uh, thought that they were correct on that they were not. And, um, you you know, basically, then I saw them in the hall the next day and they tried to talk to me. And I said, hey, just want to let you know this and this with that situation. Here's what really happened. And, uh, you know, so they never they never said uh, sorry. They never said, man, my bad. They, They just Whatever. And I remember we went to we went to uh, our staff prayer time and uh, I was walking around. I was actually I was in the back pacing because that's what I always do. I was want to get away from the crowd and get in the back. And I'm, you know, trying to have my time with Jesus. And I'm trying to work through the day before because I thought, OK, it's time for me to leave this place. I'm done with this church. I'm gone. So I'm trying to work through this thing, kind of asking God to give me an exit. Right. And uh, in the middle of that, this individual that blew me out came by and, and they tried to give me a high five. And so I gave him a high five. Not what I wanted to do, I promise you. Um, But I gave him a high five, and I know what was happening because I know the individual. They were trying to tell me, hey, look, we're good. Everything's okay. But it wasn't good. Y'all with me on that? It wasn't good. Now, anyways, I will try to wrap this back in here. All right, here we go. So I spent three years going, God, I forgive this individual. Three years. God, by faith, I forgive them. By faith. And, and honestly, I could not see the individual the same. Totally changed and wrecked my view of them. And, uh, it, you know, and, it, and I still tried my absolute best to honor them, honor their position, and um, honor the anointing and the call of God on their life and all those things. But I really wrestled. I mean, if you've ever been there, you like, man, I really don't even want to see your face. And so for three years, I saw this individual and I was uh, my gut was doing cartwheels. And I was like, man, I do not know how to go any further with this. Okay, I'm so jumping ahead of myself here. But one day we were in a staff meeting and our pastor brought awesome word. You know, we prayed for some people. God was moving. And in the middle of that, Pastor Brian ended up getting up and had a word from the Lord about anybody having offense with people. And I was like, mm, not today, God. <laughs> and so I remember, I remember I went, you know, it's a pretty big sanctuary. So I went, you know, where far left walls I could go. And I began to say the same prayer that I said for three years. God, by faith, I forgive this man. I forgive him. God, I bless him. I love him. Doing all the stuff that I told you guys about last week. And, and I, you know, truth is, in every other case, I never had to say one word to an individual. In other words, I, I could work it out in my own heart, and I was good. We're good to go, okay? And, uh, but this person, for some reason, I couldn't get over the hump. And I remember, um, I can't remember if it was Pastor Brian or Pastor Al got up and said, uh, kind of off piggyback, well, you know, the Bible says that if you have alt with your brother, don't even bring worship to the altar, right? Don't even bring gift to the altar. Go make it right. <sighs> but I knew it was the Lord, Right? I went to go turn to this person. There was already somebody there. So I waited. I was like, okay. And then I, I remember, okay, then I went back. And there was something about when this individual, I went over there. And, and I don't know, once again, I'm like a, a little kid. I'm crying and, uh, because it's such a Jesus moment, right? And, uh, and I said, you remember when we had this conversation, I said, you wounded me. And I said, I have not been able to get over it. And, uh, and you know, there's something about when that guy said, you know what? Um, because Miss Vicky came and told us his personality. He said, you learned that I'm the type of person that here is part of the facts, and I run with it. And, uh, and I said, you know what, I, I know that. And he said this, he said, Quentin, I was wrong, and asked you to please forgive me. And so, you know, so at that moment, listen, it didn't, it didn't erase or approve or anything that he did, but there was a moment at that spot where healing really came. Are you all with me? I am so ahead of myself in this. It's right now. So, anyways, but but listen, healing came in that moment. And so, but but there was something in my own heart. Um, you know, talking about forgiveness, I never came to the point where I approved of what the individual did to me because he was wrong. He was one hundred percent, one hundred fifty percent wrong in what he did, and and nor did I deny it. Um, I didn't turn a blind eye to it, uh, but and I didn't pretend. But there's a theme, There's a time where sometimes you got to confront things. Yes. Yes. And, and by confronting and not acting like because let, let me maybe say this and there's maybe a way to tie this in. Um, I could have lied to myself and said it was OK and tried to move on with life, but it wasn't OK. And I wasn't going to lie to myself until the moment I got honest and truthful with it. That's when healing came and freedom came. And literally it was so amazing. That after that one conversation, we were good to go. We were, good. I mean, we, we were good, and to this day, we're, we're good, uh, but we need to come to that point. All right, so let me go right here. Uh, you know, even as I stand here in front of you, look, I realize that forgiveness is not erasing something from your memory. I still remember everything you said to me. I do very well. I can quote it. Um, forgiveness is not even doing this. It's not trusting someone again. Let, let me maybe even throw a, a fact at you. It might blow your mind because I preach about trusting other people. But do you realize the Bible never says to trust a person? It doesn't. It says only trust God. And so, l- listen, there, there comes a point where someone does you really wrong, okay, and they break that trust that you put in them. Forgiveness doesn't mean that somehow now that I have to throw all, their, all the stuff that they did out the door and go, you know what, um, I'm going to trust you again. Most of the time what happens in that case, they break it again. Yes? And lastly here, we'll say this. Forgiveness is not this. It's not, it's not even meaning being reconciled in the relationship. Are you all with me? So this is the side that's different. God, God, God reconciles us to us. And in a lot of times, God does want us to reconcile. I, I would say the majority of the time, God wants us to reconcile our relationship with the individual. But there's some times uh, where, here, I'll just say it to you like this. If a, if a woman is being beat by her husband... Okay, she is required by God to forgive, but she does not need to return to that household again to continue to get hurt. Are y'all following me? So there's so there's things that God will, uh, because He loves us, He'll protect us, and He'll say, you know what? We'll know it in our hearts if we really walk with Him. We'll say, okay, I I need to go have a relationship and restore with that individual, or I go, you know what? I need to stay away from that individual because we're going to go there again. Are y'all? Am I making any sense to you today? All right, so let's say this real fast. We'll we'll talk about what forgiveness is. But forgiveness, um, perhaps with this, that forgiveness isn't found in our words. It is revealed by our actions. You get that? Forgiveness isn't found in our words. It's revealed by our actions. Here's what I mean by that. It is easy to say I forgive you and have tons of issues in your heart towards that individual. Are you going to follow me? You you know, part of, you know, part of the people that I've even mentioned to you guys over the past weeks, we've been working with this. I just saw them at my grandmother's funeral. Okay, and I'm not going to lie to you. Even even on the way there, I was going, man, I'm going to have to see that person. Anybody ever had that? But what was so awesome, because I've done what I'm telling you, because I've lived this thing. uh, One of those individuals walked in and immediately the love of God rushed in my heart and I went over and I gave him a hug. It's so good to see you. And, and, you know, and I didn't think that that was going to happen, right? I know where's my mind, but it was amazing how God intervenes in those moments because my heart's right, my heart's pure, because I want to love them, what God will do inside of you. The other person that is, that is not a believer, in fact, I'm pretty confident if we laid hands on them, really when at it, demons would come out. And I'm, I'm not saying it to be funny. I'm telling you the truth, all right? That when I saw that individual, in fact, I'll say this. Uh, I was at my brother's house. And, uh, and I heard that she was coming over, and I was like, why is she coming? Is it okay to have that thought? And uh, we were planning a funeral. She had nothing to give, in my opinion, you know? And so she didn't come. I was like, Phew. And I was not looking forward to seeing her the next day. She came up, love of God. Phew. How's it going? Gave her a hug. So good to see you. And what was so crazy, you did watch how God works. I'm up there doing a funeral, and she's sitting over there crying. She don't even believe in Jesus, and I'm talking about Jesus. Right? Amen. All right. So let's move on. All right. So let's talk about what forgiveness is. And let's land this thing. Is this helping any of you guys out? Sorry. I feel like I'm really all over the map today. All right. So forgiveness is this. It's an inner condition of the heart. so important that we get that. It's an inner condition of the heart where there's peace. Right? We're not. In other words, we're not holding on to all that stuff. Forgiveness is this. It's letting them off the hook. Easier said than done. Forgiveness is choosing to overlook what they have done. Forgiveness is surrendering the desire to get even. It's surrendering the need for them to get caught. Isn't that what we really want a lot of times? Well, Somebody just find out what they did and get them. It's refusing to personally punish them. With their words, or actions, however you want to go about it. Forgiveness is surrendering the right... To tell people what they did. Forgiveness is choosing to keep no record of wrongs. we felt a lot about that. Forgiveness is the absence of anger, resentment, and bitterness. That's why it's an inner condition of the heart. Something changes on the inside. Forgiveness is being completely aware of what they did and still forgiving them. Forgiveness is us no longer wanting God to reveal or expose what they've done to us. Man, if only people knew, Right. Forgiveness is when we genuinely care more about their soul than the hurt that they've caused us. And lastly, forgiveness is putting them in the Lord's hands, because we all know that for, uh, vengeance is the Lord's, right? See, there's that part where we read out of uh, Luke 17, if you go down. It says, woe to him who, is, who basically does the offending. It said it would be better if what? A millstone were tied around that brother's neck. All right. That's the part where you go. That's the part that helps you go. God, I trust you. You will deal with them rightly. Right now. There is a time. Watch this. There's plenty of times where where people have offended me that I say, God, show them mercy. Because in my heart, I really love them. Okay, because because I don't. This may sound really strange, but I have watched people that have done me wrong. I've watched things not go well for them in life. I've watched people that have spoken against me and said things. I've watched life not go well for them. And it's not because I'm someone special. It's just the kingdom. It's how it works. You know? And so, um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty blown away what God does with that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, but that's the whole part of i got to release them because, watch this. Maybe sum it up with this. There's this idea of the kingdom principle that as long as my hand is on something, right, God takes His hands off of it. But if I take my hands off of it, God can put His hands on it. Right? And what do I do? The Bible says that, that when someone's done you wrong, that you show them kindness. And what happens? It's like heaping coals on their head. That's my part. The other part's God's. Amen? Alright, so the word, the word forgive actually means this. It took us 40 minutes to get here, but we got here. The word forgive means this. It means to set free, to let go, to release To liberate completely. Get that. To set free. To let go. Letting go. To release them. To liberate completely. It also means to forfeit. This is huge. To forfeit any right to hold a person captive to a previous wrong he has committed. That's good, isn't it? To forfeit any right to hold a person captive to a previous wrong he has committed. This means this. This means once we've decided to forgive someone, we surrender the right or the privilege of holding them hostage to their past actions. It means God will no longer allow us, watch this, to drag up their offense again and again and again to use it against them. Because we have released and liberated them completely. It's kind of like this, okay? It's, it's this idea that, that uh, let me say it this way. Um, If you go read a marriage book, you'll find out really fast that a lot of women, in other words, when there's an argument, and a lot of men, when they get in that moment, they'll say that I forgave you of your past decision, but 20 years later, we're going to bring it up, we're going to throw it in your face. Right? You know, example, if example, if one of them was unfaithful, okay? And they work through it and they reconcile and they say, you know, I forgive you, I release you. You know, 20 years later down the road, that person has actually surrendered the right to say, remember when you did that to me. They forgave it. It's gone. They forfeited the right. Are you all with me today? All right. So basically, let me say this quote. And I'm going to tell you a story. But the ultimate proof of forgiveness takes place when we sincerely petition the father to extend mercy rather than judgment to those who have offended us. You get that when, when we really know is when we say, God, give him mercy instead of where we naturally say, give him judgment. Because once again, that's what he did to us on the cross or for us. All right. Let me tell you a story. Um, there's a pastor I know that's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Actually, Sarah knows the man I'm about to talk about. Uh, there's a pastor down there that works with one of my uh, dear friends. OK, works for one of my dear friends, um, I guess, maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago now. Uh, his 28 his year old daughter was killed in a drunk driving accident. Okay, she wasn't drunk. A drunk driver hit her and killed her. Okay, 28 years old. The woman loved God. Um, you know, parents are, are powerful ministers, great people. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, just wonderful people. Now, part of, part of this pastor's responsibilities is he was uh, a guy, he would do jail ministry. So fast forward in the story, watch this. He one day is at this jail and he's doing jail ministry. And he walks into a cell and he stands there and stands basically up the guy that hit his daughter and killed her. Okay, now you know. Listen, I once again I can't for time's sake I can't give you all the details. But but these guys that were they struggled. Who wouldn't, right? They were struggling. I mean their hearts were broken. I mean it took them. You know, a long time to recover from it. And this was really fresh. I mean, this was what? Maybe uh, not too long afterwards, right? You know, So it's pretty fresh. So anyways, he walks in and here stands this guy that he knows this is the guy that was drunk, was irresponsible, that killed my daughter. And at that moment, you know, there's a choice of what you can do. You can become an inmate pretty quick. (laughs) Right? But what's so amazing is, is, is Pastor Charles threw his arms around the man and said, I want you to know, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. I release you from what you did. And basically, blah, 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 shared the gospel with the guy. The guy got born again. They hugged and they wept. And healing came to the man's heart. Are you following me? Because that guy was was living with guilt and shame. Healing came on both ends. You know, follow me. That is that's the way forgiveness works, because once again, you know, I know when we when we start talking about um, forgiveness, it's so easy to, to, you know kind of get back protect ourselves i don't want to talk about that but you got to remember when god talks about this the ultimate thing he's trying to bring is healing to your life okay and there's this side that you can't look at it in the natural just like in the natural pastor charles would have wanted to do something different but there's a supernatural moment that comes when we're obedient and god helps us there's something about when he pours his heart and his love inside of us and we get the opportunity to, to extend that to other people amen let me show you two verses here. I want you to remember what First Peter 4.8 says. And we're almost done. I know we're going long today. First Peter 4.8 says this. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover. That word cover actually means to hide or put a veil over a multitude of sin. That's what forgiveness does. Proverbs 19.11 says this. says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. That God literally said it is to your glory, to your benefit when you uh choose to overlook someone else's sin. All right. Let me give you let me give you two books here really fast. If um when, when God began to deal with me on this, in other words, I told you guys about sitting in that church service, Pastor Tommy's church, sitting there, the prophet walks up and said, this and this and this is in your life. And I went back to my seat with my tail between my legs and said, okay, God, I know that's you. What do I need to do? Part of that was, was bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he spoke to me five books that I had already. I think I told you guys that already. But two of the books that dealt with this directly, and I would encourage you, if you need more help in this area, to read these two books. The first one is by a guy named R.T. Kendall. It's called Total Forgiveness. Total Forgiveness, R.T. Kendall. The second one is by John Bevere. It's called The Bait of Satan. Great book, The Bait of Satan. All right, so R.T. basically, he starts off his book and he says this. And we're almost done. Give me five minutes and we will be done. But R.T. said this. Uh, he was on, on the phone with one of his friends named Joseph, and, uh, and he was going over this story about how this guy hurt him. And um, basically, so he went on and on and on. He got done, and his friend the pastor from Romania says, he goes, Are you, is that all? So he said, is that all? He goes, no, 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 wait a second, I forgot one thing. And he just cut him off, and here's what he told him, and here's what I want to tell you today. He said, RT, you must totally forgive them. Until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. So true. That's really the point where God's trying to bring all of us to today. It's the understanding that he can't heal our hurts and wounds until we release the anger, bitterness and pain that is residing in our hearts. It's this understanding that once we forgive those individuals by faith, I want to stress that by faith, that we'll discover that the sting of what they did to us will be removed understand what's bound us will be loose. The pain that we feel will disappear. The wounds that have crippled us for a really long time will be healed. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'll show you two verses and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to challenge you with two thoughts as we get out of here today. Thanks for being patient. I went a lot longer than I wanted to. I'm going to read two verses that are pretty familiar to us. Isaiah 61 says this. Says, "In the spirit of the Lord God is upon me." Somebody say, "Upon me." Amen. Says, "Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Watch this: to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound." My question for you today, as we kind of change gears here, is how can we set captives free if we're still in prison in the prison of offense ourselves? We can't. So motivation, when I'm telling you that we cannot fulfill what God's called us to do until we release these things, I'm telling you the truth. Amen? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.19. I love this verse. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, not holding it against them. It's what he did for us. It says, and he has committed to us now, who are born again, the, the message or the ministry of reconciliation. So how can we be ministers of reconciliation if we don't release and allow reconciliation to take place in our own hearts? Do you understand that? In other words, it's an injustice. If this man has offended me, if I am unwilling to reconcile with him, how can I ever go to this guy who doesn't know Jesus and reconcile him there? It's against the spirit of it. So listen, that's what God wants to do in us today because he's saying, not only do I want to get you free, but I also need... Uh, you know, I also need you to get where you're called to be so you can operate and do what I called you to be. But your heart's got to be clean to do that. Amen. So, so it's really what we're talking about is, yeah, who wants to walk in the standard? Who wants to be free? But there's really, there's really a lot at stake in this. It's not just getting over some bad feelings. Yes. It's, if you could somehow understand in your mind, in your heart today, that, man, there's literally people that are out there that need to know Jesus that are depending on this moment from you. I don't say that to beat you up. It's just the reality of it. Yeah? So if you don't mind, let's just close our eyes, please. Uh, Rachel, if you don't mind coming to the Keys, that'd be awesome. Just want to make a, 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 just a, a spot, a moment for the Lord. I told you at the top of today that we, you know, we want to invite the Holy Spirit to um, To speak to us. And the first thing I actually want to talk about, because what the Holy Spirit does, uh, the Bible says that he comes and he convicts us of not only our sin, but also our unrighteousness. So the first thing I want to talk about today is this is basically if you're in here today and we, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what God's forgiveness looks like. If you yourself have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to get right with God today. I, I, I need I need. I believe what you're saying, and I need to know Jesus. I need that forgiveness. Uh, If that's you, just lift your hand, please. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's been a long time. If you need that today, lift your hand. All right. Deal. So we also said that we want to make room for the Holy Spirit today, that if there's anybody that, that we have been holding on to, any offense, any grudge, and we need to release it. If you know that there's somebody today that you need to release, uh, you know, we're not going to pull you up, and make you say their name or nothing, but just if you know that's, that's you in your heart, just lift both hands, please. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good deal. I want to pray for you. Just kind of pray with me if you can. Father, we thank you today, God, for your love for us. Father, you already knew way before we ever got here today who we had beef with and who we had issues with. So, Father, today, God, as our hands are lifted. God, we also lift our heart to you. God, and by faith today, God, we choose to release those individuals. God, in, in spite of what they've done to us, God, if it could be the most awful thing in the world or, God, even if it's just a little thing, God, today we choose to release them. God, we choose to put them in your hands. God, we choose to let them off the hook. God, we choose to just say, you know what, Lord, uh, mercy for them. Father, we want the the inner condition of our heart to be right. We don't want to be angry. We don't want to be bitter. God, we don't want to uh, let our wounds define us today. So, Father, today we release them, God, so we ourselves can be released and set free. God, by faith, we just say, Lord, we forgive them. We bless them in Jesus' name. God, your word tells us to speak well of them. And so, Lord, today, we thank you, God, wherever they're at. God, if they're not saved, God, we ask for their salvation. God, if they are, are a believer, Lord, we ask for your best in their lives. And so, Lord, today, we just pray, God, for reconciliation, God, in our own hearts. God, uh, with you, God, forgive us for holding on to a grudge. Forgive us for being offended. God, we release it today, God, and we thank you for your presence and your peace and your grace and your mercy, filling our hearts and filling our lives. And, Lord, I just ask today, God, for every person, every person, Lord, if they uh, need to go confront the individual in love. God, speak to them. God, if it's something that they need to just kind of deal with their own, their own heart, then God, speak to them. God, that you would give them wisdom and guidance and direction of what they need to do and how they need to approach today forward. So, Lord, even tomorrow, God, if they wake up and they feel that uh, still there, Lord, once again, they forgive them by faith. God, that they're willing to walk it out. And, Lord, we thank you, God, as they walk out forgiveness. God, that you'll meet them exactly where they're at, God, and you'll empower them, that you'll give them the grace and the mercy, God, to see it through to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys need, uh, Rachel will continue to play. If you need to come to the altar and pray, you're more than welcome. Uh, If not, God bless you. Thank you guys for coming today. Uh, If you have children downstairs, please make sure you get them. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.